Welcome to the Unspeakable Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Daum. My guests, backed by popular demand, are Chayalea Suffren and Yael Bartour. That's the best I'm going to do with their name pronunciations. They were here back in April talking about their podcast, Ask a Jew. Now, Chayalea and Yael are Jewish in very different ways. Chayalea has lived her whole life in an Orthodox Hasidic community in Southern California. Yael is a secular Israeli, now living in New York City. And the two became friends through uh, an online community, an online community around yet another podcast. And they began a dialogue about Judaism, much of which consisted of Yael asking Chayalea questions about the Orthodox world that she said she would have been afraid uh, or embarrassed to ask most people. Those conversations were so interesting that they started recording them. And from there emerged uh, Ask a Jew, which I have to say is one of my podcasts. So I'm really excited to have them back. Now, uh, I've been talking a lot at the top of the show lately, so I'm not going to say much more here. But I do want to make a note about this podcast's new home on Substack. By home, I mean that megandaum.substack.com is the place to go now to support the show financially and to leave comments about the show. This used to take place on Patreon, but now, permanently, from now on, for a variety of reasons, it's on Substack. And that's where basically all of my stuff is going to be. Announcements about anything I'm doing, new writing, which I am going to be doing soon. If you were a Patreon supporter, you have automatically been moved to Substack and given a complimentary month, after which you can become a paid subscriber just like you were at Patreon. And you're no longer being charged at Patreon, by the way. If you paid upfront for a whole year of Patreon support and are like, wait, what's happening? That's not fair. Please email me and I will help you figure something out. We'll make it right. This transition is a little complicated, so I appreciate your bearing with me and continuing to support the show. So that's out of the way. Um, again, this is a conversation with Chayalea Suffren and Yael Bartour. We're talking about all kinds of stuff here, including a recent New York Times article about Orthodox yeshivas and what kinds of educations kids were getting and whether taxpayers should fund it. It caused quite a stir in the Orthodox world, and Chayalea has a lot to say about it. Yael and I have a lot of questions. So we talk about that for a while and we move on from there and cover lots of ground. And this is a really fun conversation as always. So here it is. Yael Barter, Chayalea Safran, welcome back to The Unspeakable. You are your fan favorite. A lot of people wanted you to come back. I wanted you to come back, but a lot of other people did too. So <laughs> a lot. Like, can we see every email that <laughs> many nice people sent us <laughs> that they wanted you to come back? Thank okay. you um, so much. Um, Thank you. But it's and now we have a actually have something to talk about because you guys um ha, are had a big issue in in the news lately. But actually, well, before finally, we get in, our, yeah, you've got break. a moment. This is your moment, and so if you <laughs> fuck this up, it was either you, this or this like properly, an anti anti Semitic attack. But I prefer this. Yeah, well, those those are evergreens, you know. Exactly. So, okay, but just so we know, you're you guys are the you you have one of my favorite podcasts, Ask a Jew. Let's just remind our audience how long you've been doing it, how you guys initially met, 
got together in case anybody missed our previous discussion. <laughs> Kyla, you want to take this? Sure. Um, we have been podcasting since last November. I think we have like 38 episodes or something. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> we met during COVID uh, when we were bored and sitting at home doing nothing. And we were obsessed with the Fifth Column podcast. And <laughs> we were on a Zoom call and yells like, who the hell is this Chilea? Why is there such a religious... <laughs> a Zoom call for the fans of the Fifth Column. Yes, by the way. for yeah. the fans. I mean, community. that's... Exactly. We're... we're big losers and um no disrespect to all our friends that no, we've made from part, <laughs> wait i i want to i want to defend this because this was the moment during covid that we everybody was doing zoom happy hours and it that's was true for like two weeks that's so it true. was then that's true so we started chatting and yael is a uh secular israeli as she describes herself um and i'm a hasidic uh, orthodox woman, mom of four kids. Yael's never been married, doesn't have children. And we were having these interesting conversations and some people are us said, Oh, we should definitely record them. So we did. And, uh, so far, you know, it's, it's, we've been enjoying it. It's a really great podcast because I mean, for a lot of reasons, you have a great chemistry, but you have a specific thing that you're talking about. Right. I think that's, that's yeah. one of the challenges of doing these shows because. Well, the Holocaust. My father still doesn't understand. He's like, I don't under, I don't know what the, what are podcasts? Yeah, Why no. is it called Ask a Jew? Who's asking <laughs> you questions? He gets really upset. Are you a rabbi? Like, why are they asking you? <laughs> oh, are you it's, a rabbi? Can you be a, you're, no. you can be like an online rabbi. You can, you play I, I, one he, on Maybe he's jealous. <laughs> you have a bigger congregation. Yeah. Exactly. Your father is a rabbi, actually. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you guys are getting there. You're growing. You have a big audience. You've got big guests on. You, Thank God. You're killing it. Yeah. It's fun. We're, we're, we're much bigger than the fifth column at this point. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, well, that's easy. Okay. We're doing ads for them on our podcast. Mm-hmm. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, they're beg- yeah, begging you to recommend <laughs> them on Substack. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I always joke that they're like our, we're like their illegitimate child. Yeah, um, but, but they don't they, acknowledge. They, if they, <laughs> they had, probably like, have a lot. God knows how many in real life. Those guys. Yeah, <laughs> they, they left our family when we were babies, and um, you know, yeah, <laughs> send us a card every once in a while. Um, but we love them. But yeah, um, it's it's been growing. It's been really really wonderful. We've, you know, kind of every guest helps build uh, an audience, and we reach out to people uh, and ask. Um, if they'd be on the show and it's a nice variety and actually I just, do they turn the you down. How often do they say no? I Will had one guy no? turn me down. I, he, he's an astronaut. I'm not going to say who <laughs> Jewish, 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 astronaut. Narrow it down. Cause there are quite a few Jewish astronauts, well, but that's... I still hope, but, but it, he was kind of like, um, and it wasn't him. It was his people. And they were kind of like, let's touch base, you know, in, in, uh, I don't know. When we put a man on the moon again, touch base. Um, I, they say that all the time in astronaut land. Yeah, <laughs> so, but yeah. I, I still want him on. But we did. I did get um today. I got a, a funny DM that I think kind of is our podcast in a nutshell from somebody who said something along the lines of, "Hey, I know you're busy with the yeshiva story in the New York Times, but I have that Jewish porn star for you. Uh, let me know when you want to connect." So. That's the variety of things that we deal with. Are there more Jewish <laughs> astronauts or Jewish porn stars? That's a great astronauts question. for sure. I don't know, but I think that the the barrier to entry to become a porn star is a little lower. 
That's true. So they're That's a good point. They're more I wonder if astronauts stars? have to become porn stars. Well, there well, are a lot of Russian. Go, like, are there a lot of retired both? astronauts that get into kind of weird, like fetish astronaut <laughs> porn? I don't know, but I, I, I'm here for that. Megan's googling. Yeah. I don't Google anything while we record because I'm terrified of my screen of my computer oh. exploding. <laughs> I know during every every recording. So, well, there's a number of things I want to I want to talk with you about. So, so this episode is going to probably correspond with the Jewish holidays, which I don't understand what they are as a non-Jew. So I want you to <laughs> explain like why they go on for so long. Like my main, <laughs> the thing I really appreciate about the Jewish holidays this time of year is the the alternate side of the street parking regulations are suspended. Yeah, that's right. That's and, from God. That's God yeah. um, on Mount Sinai gave um, <laughs> our people alternate mm-hmm. side parking. That makes me really appreciate the Jews whenever that's I, whenever so I see that. So <laughs> That's so um, New York centric. Yeah, I'm I'm not even in New York these days, and I still have this like you know like almost muscle memory like oh it's Tuesday it's 11:30 I gotta run out I gotta move the car, but not during these these weeks with like these weird names of holidays. So so I want to talk about what that is, and I want to talk about some other stuff that you're doing. But yeah, but but first of all, yeah, let's talk about a, a recent episode you you had you had a you had a guest on uh, Jason Bedrick talking about this New York store New York Times story. Um, it was kind of like a like a hit piece on Orthodox Jewish on, on yeshivas. Is that mm-hmm, mm-hmm, accurate mm-hmm, in yes. your mind? So tell yes. tell me about that. Jew Twitter was was bubbling and uh, <laughs> sitting shiva uh, over this uh, article. I'll tell you the truth. I mean, this is really going to piss off the New York Times if anybody ever hears this. But they don't listen to nobody. I know <laughs> <laughs> everyone listening to this podcast like stopped reading the, the New York Times, Times a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but like there was just nothing new in that article. It was not well done. I mean, I feel like it could have been way worse. I had I'd known about this article coming and I was so nervous about it all week last week and like thinking about what I wanted to say and how I would approach it and answer the questions. And then when I finally read it, I was like, oh, it's just I mean, it's the same old tropes that they've been, you know, saying for a long time, you know, in a nutshell. Are there issues? Of course. I mean, every community has their issues, and there's certainly room for improvement among uh, Hasidic schools. But uh, I educate my kids in the Hasidic community, and I feel very strongly about um, having that right. I think we have a freedom in this country to choose how we educate our kids. Um, And just because our form of education doesn't look like the education at, you know, PS 104, or, you know, the Long Beach public school system here doesn't mean that our kids are not being educated. Uh, and that, to me, is the crux of the issue. I think we just have one way of thinking about education, especially K through 12. And the Hasidic, Haredi, Orthodox community just rejects that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really an issue of um, f- freedom. I mean, how much freedom do parents have to decide? Then there's also the complication of the money part. How much money are these schools taking and how much is the government spending? And if they're giving money, shouldn't there be standards? I mean, those are all fair, good questions. But um, I, I just it's it's interesting to me that The New York Times all of a sudden is extremely worried about the fiscal health of New York uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to this issue. Like they and, don't seem to care about any other fiscal issue. No, but are they? Was the was the gist of the article that it was different sort of pedagogical standards, or were there also sort of allegations of abuse oh, or well, just kind of mistreatment? 
Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. That's the worst part of the article because that, I mean, I hate to throw around this word lightly, but, you know, to me, that's a a blood libel. I mean, that is just untrue. Are there stories? Of course. I mean, it's a big school system. There are bad teachers in every system. There's weird stories that happen. There is no systemic abuse in these schools. I mean, that is just maybe if you were talking about 50 years ago or 75 years ago when it was normal across the board, right? Yeah. The teachers in Haredi schools used to hit their students with rulers. It's true. But so they did that also in public schools. Well, Catholic schools. Yeah. Catholic schools. Right. So today that is just absolutely not true. I mean, my generation of parents would definitely refuse to send our kids to schools that were doing that. Uh, again, can you cherry pick a few stories here and there? Of course, but it is definitely not a systemic issue. And that is actually the part of the article that really upset me the most. And Chayala has, I mean, you should say that you have four kids in the system. So yeah, right. I have four sons. Yeah. To these schools. But so now for me. Yeah, go ahead. No, go oh, ahead, Gail. Sorry, Megan. We we talk over each other a lot. Um, because <laughs> you're but fifth for, column spawn. Yeah. <laughs> for me, um, the you know one of the interesting things, and the reason I'm I'm so happy we had the conversation yesterday is is nobody looks down their nose more at Orthodox Jews than than secular Jews, right? Um, right. Um, I've mentioned this a lot on our show. You know, I didn't really know any Orthodox Jews um, before I met Chayalea uh, and Jason, who was my other friend, um, and we we tend to otherize them um, as much as you know anybody reading the New York Times. Uh, so even, you know, I have, even though I, I think we, I don't exactly agree with every single sentiment Haile has about this article. Um, I, I did, it did kind of open my eyes to things being, Hey, more nuanced, right. And more complicated. And I kind of got to check my blind spots a little bit. Um, because, you know, even as a Jewish person, I very much tend to generalize when it comes to a different community. And I think, I think that's the most natural thing, by the way, I think we all do it. Right. Um, so it was kind of eye opening to, to talk to people who are experts in this matter and say, you know, Hey, they are learning, um, really important things. They are being integrated in society to the extent that they, you know, that their, their career choices allow it. Um, so I, you know, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is I, I learn a ton from it. And what were your blind spots? Like just to name uh, a few. So I think before I met Chayalea, I thought there was one type of Orthodox Jew, to be honest. It turns out there's <laughs> like 35 and they're all like fighting. Oh. Um, and uh, I think, you know, one of the one of the interesting things for me, and then maybe this is a little more philosophical or kind of education philosophy, is the idea that there are different ways to learn. And, you know, it's not like when I look at a Hasidic kid studying Torah, it looks like a robot, frankly, to me. Um, But I kind Hmm. of got a little bit of insight about how, you know, there's a lot of philosophical discussions, discussions about humanities. They do learn, you know, they're they're learning in two or sometimes three different languages, um, not including English. Um, And they are, you know, like I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember when we one of the first times we met, I asked you what you want your kids to be when they grow up. And I thought she was going to say like rabbis or work at B&H or something or whatever. Wait, what's kids B&H? Do. Is that like oh, H&M? You know, Is that a clothing store? People from, Is it like no, H&M? people from New York. No, oh. B&H. It's like a giant electronics department store that's owned by Orthodox Jews. Oh, it is. A- 
Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if that was an abbreviation for Benai Brith. Or something. I, I don't know what that is. It I don't know what Benai is. is but... I thought that Benai Brith was like a birthing center for a long time. Like, <laughs> it was like dyslexic. It should be. I was like Benai like it's, Brith. It's like a bed, bath, and beyond hospital. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. But I, I asked Kyla, you know, what she wants her kids to do. And I, w- I was surprised when she said, you know, she wants them to be doctors or lawyers because I didn't know. It, and, and this is me sounding like an idiot. <laughs> you didn't think there like were any Orthodox podcast. Jewish lawyers or doctors? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I didn't think she'd have kids. I'd be smart enough. No, oh, I'm kidding. Yeah. I didn't know that they study that, um, you know, that they get that that um, education in school. And it turns out they do. Well, it depends. I mean, just to clarify, I mean, I, the Hasidic group that I belong to is one of the more uh, open uh, op- you know, open to the outside world sects. Some of the sects like that would be really difficult. I mean, it can happen and people can go to medical school and law school, but it would be really, really difficult. My kids did get more of a general studies education through eighth grade, um, d- you know, high school, not really a little bit, but not so much. Um, and and your father, who's a rabbi, quotes like Ben Stiller movies. Yeah, I mean, right. We're, but that's, <laughs> well, ben that's kind of the nature Jewish, of my family. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's more about your family than Jews. Yeah. Yeah. It's more about my family. Exactly. And um, most of the Haredi community, the ultra-Orthodox community, you know, the kids are doing okay. I mean, they have real estate businesses. They have Amazon businesses. They they own stores. They, I mean, there's, I have a first cousin who just graduated from medical school who never sat through a secular subject class in his life. He's totally self-taught. Till he took his MCATs and mm-hmm. got into medical school. I mean, did he go to uh, Hollywood Upstairs Medical College? No, he went to very <laughs> normal. <Nick> <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Hollywood Upstairs is that like a clinic? <laughs> it's it's a Simpsons joke. It's where the the oh. doctor went. Oh, I see. Okay. I like it because it's kind of like a Hollywood shop Upstairs Medical that, where College. you can also get STD testing. Exactly, yeah, you can get yeah. like wax there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, he went to very normal college, but um, okay. yeah. So, are there any Jewish medical schools like that are specifically like? Does yeshiva have it? I know they have a Einstein. law school. Do they have a? <laughs> do they have a medical school? They does do Einstein have Einstein Medical School. Yeah, Einstein Medical School. It's not but Jewish. That's school. part of Mount Sinai, right? Yeah, and you could. Well, it's part of Yeshiva University, but Yeshiva University in itself is a more. Megan, um, every medical school is a Jewish. I know. Look, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. going to say that. I was going to say just, just. I, you know, I was going to say it was a Southeast Asian school, <laughs> medical schools. Now, I mean, do you do Jewish, a... do Jewish doctors feel overrun by all yes. the Indians and Southeast <laughs> Asians that are doctors? I think so. But yeah. you know, but, in my in my community, I mean, it's it's interesting. There's actually an increase in people going into the sciences and medicine. Um, but definitely a generation earlier. I mean, everybody, all the Jewish kids went to medical school. So right. I don't know. Not so much anymore. I guess. Yeah, it doesn't, they don't make enough money there. <laughs> okay, no, but it's we sure should, just, not as exciting. But the was so was the article saying that that there wasn't these kids were not getting like a secular education right. and the taxpayers were paying for it because this is where I'm a little confused because I thought that these yeshivas, these religious schools generally were like not really taxpayer funded and they were just they're like supported by the community and that was that. That is correct, except that this, these communities have a very high rate of poverty. Um, and so the government does subsidize like transportation and lunch programs. And in some cases, there are programs for private schools to get money for like textbooks and for, you know, it, and a lot of it is based on rates of poverty. 
And mm-hmm. so when you look at those communities and, you know, Jason did a really good job on the pod yesterday, like explaining why the, why the poverty rate is so high. Um, it's, you know, simply it's not, it's not a simple answer, but one of the reasons is because they have a lot of kids, yeah, right. A family making the same amount as a family with two kids, having eight kids living in New York city. I mean, they're very yeah, poor. It's like a little house in the prairie kind of sits. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, very and so, similar. Right. So, so that's why the numbers look like that. But so the, the, the government is kicking in money towards these schools um, and people are angry and want them to have more oversight and want them to have better secular education. And mm-hmm. the community okay. is just, I could tell you right now, it's just an insider view. Okay. Mm-hmm. The community on in general does not care. Like it, it just does not care. And about what, what do you mean? Doesn't care about, about what the New York times says. Oh. Mm-hmm. What they will care about is because now the government is going to try to intervene and they passed a, actually, I think today there was a a judgment in a case where the, um, I can't remember which school district, but they can have more oversight over private schools. Um, um, there's going to be a massive backlash, massive. And the community is going to be really angry and they don't want people stepping in. And, you know, it's One the same, of the things- we're outside. We feel like outsiders and we don't want people coming in and telling us what to do. One of the things we talked about yesterday that um, is, is so simple but so true and true of every single community is it, it turns out people don't like when outsiders come in and tell them how to run their business. Right. Um, and, and it creates a reaction. And we all have the tendency to do that, right? Everybody, I don't care how woke you are, or how open-minded you think you are. We're, we're human beings. We judge other people for the way they behave in other communities. So, it, it, you know, it's one thing to have an opinion. It's another thing to come in and say, okay, you know, you're doing things incorrectly. Let me show you how. Um, it, it causes, even even if there's a grain of truth to it, it, it right. causes this immediate reaction right. of kind of hunkering down and, and distrust. You know, not budging. Yeah. 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 It's, I'll say one last point on this. I think it's really hard for especially uh, Jews who are not Orthodox to understand that Orthodox people just want to be left alone and just want to raise their kids in an insular tribal community, you know, where like the values they're taught come from, you know, the home and the teachers that they feel connected with and have the same lifestyle as them. Um, it doesn't work for everyone, right? There are kids who leave the community and really struggle and I, I feel for them. And, that you know, there's many organizations now that are available to help these kids and help the families through it. But for the most part, the kids are happy. The kids are healthy. They're extremely smart. They're learning a ton. I mean, yeah, I'll see my kids. Like, my kids speak three, ling- four languages. I mean, that's a lot for a kid living in yeah. America today. Yeah, her you know? 15-year-old, like, runs a business. <laughs> I don't know what he really? does. Really? Does he support you? Like, like I a, wish. Like, a, like selling Kyla, weed? Can you Is tell the Craigslist can oh. you tell the Craigslist story that you said told yesterday when we weren't recording? Because it's one of the best stories I've Only because I love Megan, so I'll tell it now. But <laughs> so my kids' yeshiva, they struggle with finding teachers to teach the general studies. Okay. And they get like not, you know, you're not getting the cream of the crop because the, these kids are taking like English, math, and science at like five o'clock in the evening, basically, you know, and they have like two hours wow. to do it after a so whole day. So that's like their extracurricular. Okay. So wait, yeah, so like exactly. The, the exactly. core curriculum is their like after school activity. 
Yeah, exactly. And so they, they have to and, get they get like secular. Do the teachers even have to be Jewish? Because I've known no, like no, they just who hire Jewish schools. Right, exactly. Okay, they'll hire anyone. people who can't get okay. jobs other at other Ex- schools. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, none of them are listening from other but schools. The quality of teachers that my kids have had over the years. I mean, we have spent hours and hours laughing over stories that my kids tell us. I mean, the most outrageous stories, the most outrageous people, especially because my kids go to yeshiva in L.A., so they end up with people who like came here for Hollywood. I mean, I, I could go on and on, but there's this one story. So, so there are they all really attractive? Like there some really of them actually teachers. are. <laughs> it's all male. They only have male teachers. So oh. the school was desperately looking for a replacement English teacher because the English teacher they had had like a nervous breakdown one day and, and literally in the middle of school and they had to like <sighs> take him away in an ambulance. So the school was desperately looking for a teacher. Oh so they applied on Craigslist and the students like they, applied. Wait, they put out an ad. Oh, the they put an ad. Them, like, they took the matter into their own hands. Is what no, the, the school applied for a, on, a, on Craigslist. A, advertised on Craigslist for a new teacher and like the students the applied. Right. Oh, to be the there. Students, <laughs> the students applied for the job and they got it. They got but the like job. collectively, like they're going to team teach. What do you mean? No, they pretended to be somebody and they felt they wrote like a, you know, a resume, a oh. fake resume. They applied for the job. They had a, one of the students like did the phone interview oh my and God. they got hired to teach <laughs> without themselves. So they it was sight unseen. So they didn't exactly. even have like Zoom interviews. They didn't even exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow. And in the, and the students were, but were they honest? They said, I only, I don't even have a high school education yet. Well, they, I don't How know what they, they what did they I say. Know. I think they probably lied, but they somehow <laughs> got past all of the. Uh, I mean, it just shows you one hundred and one. I'm so I'm interested, like what they thought the good the right profile would be. Like, what college did they say they went to, or like how did they construct? Oh, I'm sure the they were perfect, so outrageous. They built the perfect, <laughs> I know, uh, <laughs> mediocre high school teacher resume. I know. So yeah, that's. I mean. I don't want to judge That's everyone good. on that story, but uh, that is a true story. <laughs> but I do. Right. Okay. I mean, I have, to, I, I will say like, I, this is not a, a controversy I was familiar with, but I, it, it, are you saying that really this is a phenomenon of poor districts? Because if, if a school has like, if the people are pretty affluent and there's enough money, is this, is this a non-issue? Are we talking about basically like the welfare state kicking in for certain schools and then people noticing what's being taught and what's not being taught? I mean, that, I I think so. I honestly, I've said this about a lot of different issues that come up in big papers like the New York Times and the Washington Post and and, in the media in general. If the Orthodox Jews didn't live in New York City, no one would know about them or care about them. But they're like in the center of media. Mm -hmm. And so there's just this like, you know, what's it called? Like a everyone's looking at them closely, right? If they were in Iowa, no one would know. Well, I mean, mean, like the um, the Amish. Exactly. Who knows what's going on there? Is that an offensive comparison? Like when people... Not really. Because really, I mean, the Amish are like, they don't... I mean, you're not horse and buggy. Like, (laughs) We talk about Mormons, but the Mormons are more attractive on average. (laughs) Well, Mormons are like super high achievement. Mormons who leave the Mormon church are like super amazing, impressive high achievers yeah and they're super hot too yeah Mitt Romney yeah did we cover this before well we should I feel like we're we're we need to tackle maybe towards the end of the recording the the you know the the 
uh, September 2022 updated version oh. of the hottest uh, uh, world uh, leaders. Hot, hottest terrorists and yeah, <laughs> yeah especially, yeah. yeah, it's the end of almost, you know, right after the anniversary of 9-11. Yeah, I think yeah, that would be so great. great. We'll either save that for the bonus content or that will be the, the finale of the, of the <laughs> okay. public version. But, oh, but, God. Uh, but, but actually, but this is this is relevant, and also it segues into another thing I want to talk about, Chaylea. So you you recently graduated. Speaking of school, you graduated from my writing course, my op ed right. writing course. I loved and it. Yeah. Contrary to what you believe, you were by no means the worst writer in the class. Your your piece was excellent, and you were even though she didn't learn to speak English. Excellent participant. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had to have like you know captions. We had to close caption because you <laughs> speak Yiddish the whole time. But there's thank yeah, you. The, the Google can do anything. It just translated. It was an auto translate. <laughs> but you wrote in your op-ed. You cited an incredible statistic, which is that there are more people becoming Orthodox Jews than ever before. Can you like sharpen up that stat? Yeah. So I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but I, as far as I remember, okay, so. In a Pew report, which they did uh, just a couple years ago, I think it was in 2019, Jews under 35 years old, I think it was, 17% identified as Orthodox Jews. And to compare the over 65, it was only 3% identify as Orthodox Jews. That's crazy. Yeah, don't you think that's crazy? But that's because, I mean, there's a reason for it. (laughs) I mean, the reason is that Orthodox families have a lot of children. And their children have a lot of children. And so the Orthodox community is growing and growing while the rest of the Jewish world, you know, follows probably the same population increase that the general population does. So, well, even less, right? Or even less. Yeah, they're going backwards. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So the issue is really one, it's not so much. I mean, there are people who become Orthodox. I mean, that's that is definitely something that happens. But the issue is more that, you know, there's a changing landscape. You know, and in 25 years, the Jewish community in America uh, is going to look very different than it does today. And I think that scares a lot of Jews. Okay, but like, so you're talking about an exponential kind of growth pattern, but hasn't that always been the case? No, no, not at all. I mean, the vast majority of American Jews for most of American history were, you know, reformed Jews. Um, Today, the growing, the two growing camps are Orthodox Jews and the nuns, right? People who don't identify or not religious or don't identify as oh, I Jewish. Oh, you meant nuns. Like, oh, yeah, that's like what I thought, nun. too. Like, there's Jewish no. nuns? <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. No, people less, who just, who check out, right? Who are just not, don't consider themselves part of the Jewish community. Less Larry David, more Ben Shapiro. Right, exactly. Okay. exactly. Oh, right. So, the, oh, so the sort of old school, but wait a second. When you say nuns, are you talking about, like, people who are Jewish, like ethnically yeah, Jewish, but just but don't, are don't not belong observant or don't think about exactly. it or don't, don't care. Yeah. They don't belong to any synagogue or they don't really participate in any Jewish activities. See, I thought that was being outside. I thought that that was just called being uh, an intellectual. Yeah. Like when I was growing up, I thought it's that was so people in, in Woody Allen movies. <laughs> yeah, And there are people it's like true. me, like I don't do like, I'm a different example because I'm Israeli, but mm. you know, I don't really, do religious things i you know i i, I don't know my, my my judaism is like i i grew up in israel i speak the language like leave me alone um but you know if you're if your mother is jewish technically you're you're a jew and still i meet a lot of people who are like who are like oh uh i'm not jewish but my you know my mother was or my grandmother was i'm like well no that's that you're jewish then. i know I'm sorry right. to inform you. i know 
Um, as my grandparents would say, you know, Hitler wouldn't care if you're not mm. a practicing Jew. Um, so yeah, it's even for me, like even the, for me, the, the secular kind of, you know, shrimp eating Jew, it's, it's a little, um, you know, it, it pinches my heart a little bit when I hear somebody just Jewish, Jewish thing, like that they're not, or they're nothing. Yeah. Well, even the way we count Jews is complicated <laughs> because <laughs> you made, the, you said, you know, if your mother is Jewish, you're Jewish. on their arms. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that's, oh, a, that's, that's, not a, that's a good, <laughs> nice image. No, yeah. I'll said that like, if your mother's Jewish, you're Jewish, which is correct. If you are a Torah observant person. And like, if you're Orthodox, that's how you count the Jewish people. But the reform movement doesn't count that, right? I mean, if your father's Jewish, you're Jewish, according mm -hmm. to the reformed Jews. So yeah. it's even complicated how many Jews there are. Um, and that's going to get more complicated as as time goes Can on. Can we be picky? We can't really afford to be picky, Chayla, at this point. I'm, I feel like, if you're, <laughs> you know, if we should be like the Muslims where you just have to say something three times and you're a Muslim. Yeah, that's not going to happen. In do you think that but. more, do you think that more Jewish men marry non-Jewish women than the other way around? It's hard to tell. I mean, it seems like that, but I also think that we make a bigger deal about it because even though the other, you know, mainstream Jews in America don't mind patrilineal descent, you know, like they believe that Jews come from a Jewish father. I think there's still that lingering feeling amongst people. So when oh, a sure. male Jew marries a non-Jewish woman, it feels worse for people in a way. Um, yes. So, because it is more complicated for their kids, right? Like if they come to college campus and they meet an Orthodox rabbi, you know, it becomes a complicated issue. Are you Jewish? Are you not? Um, even the state of Israel doesn't recognize patrilineal descent. So it's, it is a complicated, till today, it's a complicated issue. And I think it's a bigger deal when the guys marry out than when the girls do. Mm -hmm. um, but is it all, I, is there... I, it's such a hard conversation because I, it's, this is people's identity we're talking about. It's so painful for people, you know, because I have right. good friends who grew up feeling Jewish their whole lives, believing they're Jewish, knowing they're, you know, celebrating Jewish holidays, never considering themselves anything other than Jewish. And then, you know, I'll come around and be like, well, my community doesn't accept you as a Jew. And that's, it's really painful. Mm, it's, yeah. It's mm -hmm. really I difficult. have a friend who was really offended because uh, a Chabad rabbi once uh, told her, her boyfriend, um, you know, if you want, we'll, we'll help her get converted. And she is, you know, she considers herself Jewish. She comes to the Chabad events. She does everything. Yeah. But, but her mother wasn't Jewish. So they're like, what the fuck? It's you know? a very painful. It's a very painful topic. Yeah. yeah. But, but painful huh. topics are us. That's kind of our jam. <laughs> yeah. At the podcast is painful. Bordering on, <laughs> bordering on violence. Well, but you were also... You know, I, I've I've thought so much about what we were talking about last time you guys were on. Like Hylea, you were talking about just the the way that the sense of, of the, the the limitations imposed upon people by the community are actually a source of freedom. So my other podcast that I do with Sarah Hader, you guys will get to the point too where you get second podcasts because yeah. that's when you really you, when you really know you've made it as a podcast. Totally. Yeah. So my other podcast with Sarah Hader, we just had Camille Foster on mm. as a guest, and he is was also raised in a very religious way. He was All right. a devout evangelical Christian community he came from, and his wife as well. And so he's been with his wife since they were like 15 years old. Right. And they didn't right. get married when they were 15 years old, but they haven't dated anyone else. Like they were mm. always together. And so, you know, I think if you had told me that story 
when I was in my twenties or even thirties, I would have said like, Oh, that's, there's something really wrong with that. You're missing out. Like you're going to be lacking some kind of sophistication level or something like that. And he was making the point similar to, I think what you were saying, Hylea, that like it actually, it frees you up. It's, it's this big, huge thing kind of taken care of that you don't have to worry about dating. You don't have to worry about looking for somebody. You don't have to worry about sort of all the, the burdens and trappings of being single. And you can focus on your work or your family or other things. And that actually, um, I guess I'm embarrassed to say it's kind of mind blowing. So like, Yael, <laughs> like you, you are more, your, your lifestyle, your lifestyle, <laughs> your cho- the way you, the choices that you've made are more similar to mine. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that was like surprising to you as well to, to think about it that way. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, I think there's, there's advantages and, and disadvantages to, to both. Um, I think people can be very happy in, in both situations. Um, you know, my, my mother likes to bring it up a lot about, she's like, you know, Orthodox Jews, they have somebody set them up. Um, and oh, like your mother really wants well to set them. you up. Yeah. Yeah. Although if I turn Orthodox now, I will get like the bottom of the barrel. Right. Because I'll only get the people like all the, all the good Orthodox guys would be taken. But you'd be like <laughs> fresh. You'd be like fresh meat. Exactly. Like fresh they would love this, you. They'd be like no. new. You'd be like on the apps, like <laughs> new here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I can't imagine it. You know, I, I can't imagine being with somebody from such a, you know, the same person from such a young age and, and not having, you know, my, there are things that I take for granted in my life, which is that I can come and go as I please. And I go out and I travel and I, I do these things. Um, that said, you know, that there's obviously a lot that I'm, that I'm missing out on. So I, I think, I think it's a balance and, and, you know, everything, everything good in your life is, is always going to come at the expense of something else, right? Even if you have, uh, you know, a perfect marriage and and perfect kids, that's coming at the expense of reality. uh, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) Reality, free time. So I, I do often talk about this issue though, about like having too much choice being hard and like it's more freeing when you have less choice. I mean, I was at mm-hmm. a, getting a manicure last week and I mean, the number of colors. <laughs> oh my God. Are you I mean, I, I, totally, especially with so out of control. It is out of control. I, and they're it's, all you know exactly what? the it's, same. They're the like the a tiny difference of shade. It is the patriarchy doing this to us because I can sit there <laughs> with four types of like, it's ridiculous, light, light orange, peach, pink, <laughs> And and then of course when you put them on they look nothing like they look in the jar. Of so course, there's, there's and, then, and then you're like, and then you're like, uh, can you redo it? Can I? Do that? And then you're <laughs> oh, like, no, that I'm a, person. I'm a, are you kidding me? I'm terrified of them. I would, I never. I, even <laughs> if I chip my nail on the way out, I'm like, I run. Oh no, but, but if like if they start to like paint it and it's wrong, yeah, but you can yeah. stop them. The, the New York Times, if the New York Times wants to investigate something, I you know, <laughs> the, they I'm already did that nail salon story, and that actually turned out to be not exactly oh, accurate remember that about all the about how the nail yes, salon workers in new york were, also like, were like human tra- human trafficked and there were oh, like for two right. weeks there everybody was giving like 200 percent tips <laughs> to the nail ladies including myself and then it came out that it wasn't like exactly true That's yeah. so you know what funny. we should have done we should have um stopped going to nail salons and run them out of business that would <laughs> oh that would teach them mm-hmm. the thing is that we have a friend olga who's who's russian and she always reminds me like when I complain about having too many choices, she's like, I've lived on the other side of things. It's better to have too many choices. And sh- she's right. Like, I don't want the government to tell me like, these are the three colors that you could paint your nails. 
but there Red, is some blue, happy baby. medium. There's some happy <laughs> medium where our brains just cannot, ha- I don't think our brains right. can handle the number of choices that we make every single day and the number of like enormous, like, choices that we're busy trying to navigate wait wait i want to sp- i want to i want to defend choice for because i'm pro-choice Kyla, okay you. i'm also but- pro-choice <laughs> there's kidding. so many different ways to get an abortion it's like do i do it this way do i do it that way do, I do that do i go here do i go gluten here free, do i go here free like, yeah organic did you see you that get one meme at, get one at the nail salon i think did you uh, see the worst meme of the whole covid and the whole abort <laughs> it just it's a sign hanging on a freeway that said need an abortion get the vaccine <laughs> get the COVID too much. vaccine. Too, too many things. Too many too things. Many but that things. would be. Can you imagine if they, if that was, if that were true? Oh my god! It might, if there is a certain kind of vaccine where you could, I got to think this one through. Actually, I know. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but, but wait, I want. Sorry, I totally cut you off. Okay, because, but sorry, who was speaking? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, I was just saying that when I when I was growing up in Israel, we had uh, up until the nineties, you know. Israel wasn't as as open and we only had one TV channel for much of my childhood. Right. Which, you know, it's very, very sad. It's almost like living under communism, I think. <laughs> um, but, you know, so sometimes I'm a little nostalgic about those times. Well, I think like, oh, we would watch whatever was on and we would watch like Arab TV and we would watch shows that we we uh, wouldn't watch otherwise. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's easy to be a little bit nostalgic about these things and say like, oh, things were much simpler then. But you know what? I really like. I don't. I forget if we're allowed to swear on this podcast. I'm sorry. Are you kidding? No, we can only but, make jokes about abortion about and hot no. dictators. But I, you know, I really fucking like opening up Netflix and deciding if I want to watch like Fuckboy Island or a serial killer documentary. You know, and not. So I think we're sometimes nostalgic about like simpler times, but we we do like choice. I like choice. I I think that's true, but I think there's a happy medium because I, I agree. right now is overwhelming. I mean, I'm nostalgic. I people my age are really nostalgic about the 90s so i could just be biased here but i feel like the 90s was kind of the sweet spot Mm. like there was a lot there was cable there was a little bit of internet there were like a lot of movies you could go to like if you lived in a city you could go to like there were a million independent films and you could go to an art house and see it and you could there were a million bands playing like you got the village voice and you saw who was playing in the clubs that i I just so there was enough choice if you lived in the right place. Okay. But, uh, you would, in no way was it like this. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot today. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I go through Netflix and then this other, the other day I ended up watching, I'm not, I'm embarrassed to say four episodes of this Japanese show where they send these like two year olds on errands. Have you seen the show? <laughs> no. It sounds like child abuse. It's That's a reality amazing. show. It is Amazing. I mean, these four-year-olds or three-year-olds, they're more mature than me. And I'm 42. Are they doing like DoorDash? Are they are they doing no. like are they their like parents are food? like sending them to the like market and they're, they're buying driving cars? <laughs> they're literally walking to like the market, picking up dinner, getting different items that their parents tell them to pick up with paying for it. I watched four episodes in a row. I mean, that's is there a, a arc? Is there a story arc? How do you get four episodes out of this? Well, there's like, like it's a reality happen? show. One of them gets kidnapped. Finally. No, no. I mean, this it's a reality show, and you just follow these kids, and it's fascinating to watch them. It's it sounds amazing. It's, it's actually amazing. But, but my is this point part is, of the culture. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, know. I guess. Every, no, I think it is. You're able to walk around, and nobody bats an eye. Yeah, I guess. I mean, nobody seemed to think it. I mean, the store people were pretty nice to them, but I mean, my four year old. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding? Nobody called nine one one. 
Do they, no. they cross the street? Baby, they cross the street baby here like on a moped. They totally yeah. cross the streets. Yeah, they cross streets. They carry the bags. They pay the for the items. How do they reach the counter? Well, the the people are nice and they're like kind of helping them, but like. In our world, that just wouldn't happen. I mean, first of all, my when my kids were four, they didn't know which way down the block to even go. I don't even <laughs> know if they would know the name of the store I shopped at. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And they would they get called have on. That show, but with pets. I would watch. I would watch the shit out <laughs> oh of that. Oh my god! Oh watch my like yes, a golden like, retriever. My go dog, to, you know. Yeah. Well, one of your you, Whole you, one of your police dogs could probably do that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. Yael is a police officer, by the way. I'm a police dog. If you don't. Um, just <laughs> no, I used to work uh, I used to work for the police department, which makes me I always say, you know, I'm I'm very popular on Twitter between Israel and the NYPD. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're gonna so, we're gonna actually pivot to that in a little bit. But pivot? I just wanna okay. yeah. Um okay, but yeah, this but no, the choice thing, it's it's super, super interesting. I just yeah. like you know, and we there was a lot of talk about it in the comments with the with the um, Camille episode, and but, but you know a lot of people were saying, and this definitely would be my camp. Like, I, I would never have had the, I don't know if maturity is the word. I just could never have gotten my mind around the idea of pairing up with somebody in my early twenties, and mm-hmm. I don't think there was anybody around. Like, there's it's not like I look back at that time and say like, oh that guy. Right. Well, everyone him. has to be in on it. Everybody has to be in on it. That it only works if both, you know, like if he's also looking for that, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, how it, it works. My like... husband and I were looking for the same things, so it made sense because we wanted the same lifestyle, we wanted the same things, we came from the same background, so everything was familiar. I mean, it wasn't even though he grew up in London and I grew up in California. Like, I mean, we could have been super different, but everything important about our lives was exactly the same. So it was easy. It was familiar. I don't know if it could work otherwise. I don't know if I could ever date a 20-year-old, even when I was 20. I got married at (laughs) 20. Can you believe it? Uh, It, Was that old? What would be the youngest? It was 19. 19, Girls get married. Like, 19 is young, but like 20, 21. Like an ISIS bride. No. (laughs) Stop. Boys are a little older, 22, 23, 24. And who, who set you up? Like your parents uh, yeah my parent well my friend had the idea and they contacted my parents and they contacted uh, my husband's parents and the parents did research you know on like on google one. like what kind of like like uh, <laughs> no like you on, call like, they looked at his instagram and stuff no no they no way there was no instant this was 2000 so okay, no right. 2001 um no but they uh you know you call a friend that knows them or you call any of your relatives that might know him who were maybe in yeshiva together, or maybe you share a relative um, or you have a neighbor who's the sister-in-law of the cousin who used to babysit, you know, and uh, they do some research. Is he normal? Or is there any mental health issues or the, do the parents get along? You know, this kind of stuff. And then they agree. They said, yeah, sounds like a good idea. So then we wow. do. I don't know if I talked about this last time, but then yeah, we, we talked about our, it a little bit, but it's, we, you could talk about it over and over talk again. About the, yeah. the, the well, cause then we do, I don't know if I mentioned this part, but do you know that we do a genetic testing before we date? Did I talk about that? No, oh, no, I heard about this. Yes. Though. Yes. We do not date unless our genetic panels come back that they are um, compatible. You're not related. Heavily inbred. Like even my, not, even I'm like a hundred percent Ashkenazi Jew. Yeah, that's that's not, we're not inbred. That makes us sound like no. Don't say that. No, but that makes us sound like there is no other way that's around my family, it. If I'm hundred percent Ashkenazi Jew, I have only my ancestors have only had sex with. I know. See, I'm also hundred percent Ashkenazi yeah. Jew. Okay, but wait. Well, the the genetic testing is what? So you don't have like 
Tay-Sachs. I mean, it's it, yeah. it was yeah, started because yeah. of Tay-Sachs, which was very, uh, unfortunately, was common in the Orthodox world, plus some other uh, cystic fibrosis and some other genetic diseases. And so an organization started, I don't know how many years ago it, it is now, maybe 30 years ago. And basically what they do is they go into all the uh, Orthodox high schools. Okay. So like when you're in 12th grade, you get a swab done um, and they keep it. This organization keeps that swab and you get a number. Okay. You don't find out, you don't know if you're a carrier or not. You get a number. And when you're ready to date someone, you call that organization and you give the two numbers and they do like a check, you know, and they say like, okay, you you guys are compatible. Neither, you know, one of you is not a carrier for Tay-Sachs, oh let's say. Oh my God. It's like yeah. Tinder for diseases, for Jewish diseases. Um, but we've Get basically it. eradicated these diseases from our community um, for the most part. Because of, so. because of you haven't, yes, because yeah, nobody's but, and, and the, Right. And with, the idea yeah. is, the idea is that if you do it before you meet, it's not a big deal not to meet. Like, okay, fine. I don't know him. I don't know. So you wouldn't even pursue. So like if you were interested in somebody, you would just like immediately go check before you even got to know them. Do they know that you're checking on them? Yeah, of course. So you have to have their number. That's like showing your hand, but that's like, like, oh, I don't want him to know. No, I like him. Yeah, like, but you have to no, there's no such thing like that in the community. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> like that's it, huge, I mean, actually. Yeah. That's worth the price of admission, I gotta say. You don't have to be embarrassed. <laughs> like he likes her. It isn't like me. I mean, it happens a little. I I it, it does happen a little bit, but generally if you're in the system where the matchmaking is happening, like it's agreed upon by both sides, and then you need both numbers and you need both people's birthdays, and then you get the response. I mean, and for, you know, if, if it comes back like, hey, you guys are not compatible. So nothing, no harm, no foul. But, you know, for some couples, I I know one in particular that, you know, they were dating secretly and, you know, fell in love and then it was time to like get engaged and whatever. And when they did the testing, it came back, you know, not compatible. And it was a real moral issue. Like, what do you do? Um, So what do they do? They, they wrote a Netflix special. They pitched it to Netflix and <laughs> they yeah, got a true. deal. They No, they got a deal yeah. for a series. <laughs> it's the new so Cinderella. They got, they got married anyway? Yes, they did get married. Do they have and, kids? Uh, I Yes, I think that they do have some. They did like genetic. Uh, what's the, like when you do for like in vitro? An, like kind amniocentesis. Of, they did like, like uh, yeah. I think they did like in vitro fertilization mm-hmm. rather than. Oh, regular. so they could check the. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they were well, able I'm to. I'm glad they got married. Though. Embryo. Yeah. I know. That would be sad otherwise. But so yeah, the kids are you know, okay. Um, as far as I, I don't know exactly. I think there might be some issues, but I'm not sure. I don't want to well, say. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. So it's, uh, I know, isn't that a little interesting side note about yeah. the Orthodox yeah. world? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but that's, that's how it happens. Then we date and get married and we dated six times. I think I said this last time we went out six times. We were married nine weeks later. It's 21 years oh. from then. Oh my God. Four kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I, I mean, I like him, you know, he's not bad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've gone out with guys like it's, and it takes six times before they'll even pay yeah. for, for dinner. It's like, <laughs> you have to split it. I've gone out with guys at six times going Dutch That's and then, so and then maybe they pay. That's so funny. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. It's, yeah. It, listen, it's a different, it, you have to be part of a community like this to be able to do this. It's not, it's not normal. <laughs> Well, Yael, you're part of the New York community. Yeah. I'm part of the New York community. Yeah, we're also very, yeah, very yeah, cool Why don't you tell us about your love life? And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and not, this is, yeah. Not How's her. your Peloton? 
<laughs> my Peloton is great. Thank you so much. Big part of my life. But <laughs> you want me to talk about my dating life? Because if it's, you want to, I mean, I've got other questions for you. But if you're, well, you're we can talk to. about it offline. It, it is interesting. Oh, but, maybe um, for the bonus. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, this is what I was going to ask, and then and then I yes. want to switch topics. But are there? Um, I'm, the answer is going to be no. But are there going? Are there apps for Orthodox Jewish dating? Um, I not think s- there are. There are no? apps. It would there be called are, like, but it's super super J date. <laughs> it would be like ultra, there's one ultra called J. There's one called Saw You at Sinai because um, <laughs> the the belie- we believe that all this every soul was at Mount Sinai when God revealed the Torah. Oh, I thought it was um, like the Mount Sinai Hospital. No, I, thought, like, I, was, saw, I, you, I saw you. I saw you in the cafeteria of oh, Sinai. So okay. Okay. I okay. heard about that. No, okay. so that's so that there's that's one. Um, there are lots of like online things now where like matchmakers are more like online than before. I know like my friend because most of my friends, I, I have a, a son first. This is like very insider baseball. So my I only have boys. Um, so my and my oldest is 20. So he's not ready, he's not in this scene yet. Maybe in three years he will be. But my friends who had daughters first are very much into this scene now. So my friends are all like starting to make matches for their kids and make weddings for their kids. So I'm hearing like a lot about this whole system again, right? Like I haven't thought about it for, you know, since I went through it myself. Um, and so now there's like WhatsApp groups where you can like view people's resumes and pictures and, you know, kind of select, you know, the matchmakers will send you like a file with like, you know, 10 or 12 different people that maybe, you know, you would go through and say, okay, I'm interested in, you know, three, seven and nine or whatever. Um, <laughs> Oh <laughs> and then it's like that you know it's like the nail polish has colors has numbers too true. right it's with the true. gels it's like i'm I gonna know. have eight eight ninety nine well Kyle asks sometimes sometimes when we when we talk in our podcast and we get a little too deep on a topic or a little too um you know uh carried away with our dark humor um Hila likes to say that this you know her kids aren't going to be able to get married if we keep going further <laughs> Okay. They're gonna be like, oh, that's the one whose mother does that podcast. Oh, that, that is crazy. That crazy lady in New York. No, okay. that's definitely gonna be an issue. And thankfully, my husband is such a good guy, nice guy, normal, like orthodox guy. That hopefully it will be okay. <laughs> We're gonna pause here for a short message from me. Are you appreciating this conversation and wish there were more like it out there? Well, there are lots more right here. We're getting close to 100 episodes by now. I do this show every week, and I pretty much do it all by myself. I am not affiliated with any institution, media company, or secret investment cabal. I do it because I love it. And that is why, as much as I hate asking for help, I am offering this gentle reminder that if you value honest, thoughtful, nuanced conversations with all kinds of people, novelists, scientists, philosophers, comedians, journalists, sometimes just regular folks with something interesting to say, I hope you'll consider supporting the show. The best way to do this now is to join our listener community on the Substack platform. That means that even though you can listen to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, the community and listener support piece are now at megandaum.substack.com. And you spell my name, M-E-G-H-A-N-D-A-U-M dot substack dot com. And what you'll find there includes not only stuff related to the podcast, but updates and information about everything I'm doing, including teaching, writing, 
the free thinking women's community, the unspeakeasy that I'm starting, and anything else I think I should tell you about. You can subscribe for free, or you can become a paid subscriber and get all kinds of extras, including early ad-free access to the show, the chance to participate in monthly listener hangouts on Zoom that I always come to, and even new writing from me, because actually that is what I am, a writer. If subscriptions are not your thing, you can also make a one-time donation in any amount by going to the podcast's old webpage at theunspeakablepodcast.com and clicking the donate button. Just keep in mind that it's the Substack page that will continue to be updated about the show. I hope you'll consider supporting the show in any way that makes sense for you. Honestly, leaving a positive rating or review wherever you get your podcasts is a big help. And telling people about the podcast, sharing it with friends, just spreading the word actually means more to me than anything. So thank you for listening to the show and for making the unspeakable worth speaking about. And with that, back to the interview. Yeah, Al, I want to talk to you about your line of work. I have to say, I stumbled upon your website the other day. It is so good. Oh, thank you. So you're like a social media crisis Mm -hmm. management person. Is that an accurate description? Yeah, Uh, pretty much. I I do two things that kind of sound the same, but they're not necessarily the same. One is um, I do kind of crisis PR. So I I work for a company or people come to me when, you know, something bad happens to them uh, in in the public sphere. And, you know, we work pretty closely with lawyers, too, because it's usually um, can be some, some high profile stuff. Um, and the other part uh, of that is I work with law enforcement. So I help uh, police department and public safety agencies uh, connect with people online and, and tell their story, um, specifically using social media. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I mean, the police have a have a branding problem these days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a, it's a tough time. Um, to be a cop, it's a tough time to be in law Yeah, no, I'm serious. I think it would be, t- I mean, why would somebody want to go into that line of work? I mean, it's like, yeah, it must be harder to get um, a cop now than it is to get like an English teacher at a yeshiva school. It is, <laughs> it is. There's, a, there's a crisis. Um, there's, um, there's a retention and hiring crisis. Pretty much almost every police department that I talk to, um, people are retiring in mass. Uh, it used to be very much, and when I say used to, I don't mean like in the 70s, I mean like 2019. Yeah. You know, it used to be um, something where people would really encourage their their children, you know, like a police officer would want oh, it was, their It was child. in families. Well, it was mm-hmm. like ha- passed and, down. Yeah. yeah. I thought nepotism now, was, I thought that's how you got into the <laughs> job anyway. It was all nepotism. Now, I, I, I don't know any cops who who would, you know, want their child to become a police officer. And I ask you so about these things a lot. Yeah, yeah it is. It is sad. Um, I don't blame them. It's a, a thankless job. It's a dangerous job. Um, you can die. You can go to prison. Um, and you can't really, I'm sorry to t- turn this like a little, a little dark, but mm. th- there's very little you can do nowadays to help people. So it's, you know, the reward is, and it used to be that the reward of kind of helping people was worth it, but now it's, that's becoming harder and harder to achieve. You mean just like in terms of intervening in a situation? Intervening a situation or even calling, you know, like answering a a, a common call, like a, a domestic violence call or an assault or something like that, or even, you know, um, uh, a, a naked person call which is i've seen like i want to go one day in new york without seeing like a, a person's like penis 
because uh, those are, you know, very common in, in New York. See, this is what um, happens but- if you're not in the Orthodox Jewish community. This, uh, <laughs> yeah. this is what you're missing. I know. No, so well, sad. not if you walk around a Actually, city. plenty of Orthodox Jews are having to see this too. Yeah, <laughs> walking around true. New York, actually. So never mind. Yeah. yeah but wait, so, but like, they're not, like, they, they can't answer a domestic violence call. What do you mean exactly by that? Oh, no, no. They, they can answer a domestic violence call, but there's, there's very little, um, you know, you can do nowadays in terms of, um, um, you know, weak prosecution and uh, incarceration and things like that. So a lot of, uh, at least in, in New York and Los Angeles and some of the big cities, uh, a lot of things have been decriminalized. Um, and then some things that are criminalized aren't pr- uh, prosecuted. Uh, and if they are prosecuted, um, you know, if people uh, can be picked up off the street and, um, you know, they're back that afternoon. I, I just looking at a tweet from um, somebody was arrested on 40th street for assault and they wrote that it was his 71st arrest. Oh my God. I'm like, that's something wrong with this system. If that's insane, you know, that person is still, uh, still out on the street committing crimes. And are they blaming that on overcrowding jails or is it just like democratic administrations? Like what is, the, I mean, obviously this is a whole other topic, but just yeah. quickly, <laughs> just really briefly. Um, what's, what, yeah, what's the I'm trying cause? to think how I can tie in Jews to this. Do you know that the <laughs> there aren't enough serving... Jewish cops? Are there a lot of Jew? Okay. Are there more Jewish cops, astronauts or porn stars? <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know. I, w- I hope somebody would answer that, but there are a lot of Jewish cops. The longest serving member of the entire NYPD is the, is our chaplain chief, uh, Dr. Rabbi Alvin Katz. Um, who's been, uh, I think, celebrated his 50th year not too long ago with the NYPD um, as chief chaplain. So, so there's, and by the way, who was assaulted too, because he's an old, frail man and, and assaulted outside his apartment once um, on the Upper West Side. Uh, you can Google that. But what is it? Yeah, uh, seriously, answer is it? Is it bad policy? Is it what is it? it What's the issue? It's, it's um, bad policy. It's lack of mental health care. There, you know, it's it's right. harder to get a bed in a mental hospital than yeah. it is to to get into Harvard or Yale. Um, <laughs> it's lack of lack of incarceration. Um, I mean, that's I think those those are the things. It, it's catch and release. You know, you're taking mm-hmm. people off the streets. And you're you're they're going right back now. You could you could say a lot of these people don't belong in prison, which is fine. But then we need other other systems for them because this having them on the street, uh, people you know out of the street um, committing crimes, um, you know uh, consuming narcotics, um, ODing, which happens quite a lot, is is not um, a humane answer either. Right. So no, I think so, you know yeah. we're, I think somebody once told me something that kind of stuck with me. I said. You know, society is really bad with trade-offs and and there is no easy solution to this. A solution to this is going to hurt somebody. Um, I, you know, kind of from where I'm coming from, I, I, I err on the, on the side of, of hurting the, the, the aggressor over the victim. (laughs) But, um, but like, you know, right now the, the current situation is, is not sustainable and it's hurting both. Megan, you live in LA now, right? Yeah. How I mean, many naked men have you seen on the street? It It is so um, bad here. And it was so hot the last couple of weeks. And I just, uh, every time I go onto the freeway, that's which why is. why they're naked. No, but yeah, it, I, know. I, I honestly was so distraught about the homelessness the last two weeks. I mean, I don't, it's just so upsetting here in LA. I it's upsetting, know. but it's, it's, it's a different, it, it impacts you differently because you're driving. Like in New York, you're mm. walking past yeah, it all the true. time. And that's like true. you would see. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, we're in, you know, in New York where, where, where I lived, uh, there was like the reg- normal homeless guy was just yeah, like, yeah, always yeah. there. And it got worse and worse. I mean, he, you know, he'd been there for years and like he, people would leave him food. I mean, it's interesting too, cause he was a white guy. Like he was like, right. you're out of central casting, like weathered <laughs> bearded, like yeah, he looked like yeah. an old, like fisherman, but you know, totally out of it, talking to himself, carrying mm-hmm. on conversations. And, you know, but the last f- few years, I mean, he was like, defecating in the planters Ugh, and like pants yeah. down and this kind of thing. And I, but I have seen the cops having conversations with him. Yeah. And cops he's just know like everybody, yeah. they know all these homeless guys by name. They can tell you their backstory. They can tell you when they're on their meds, when they're off their meds. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really good book that I recommend to your, your listeners called the least of us. Um, and it's by, um, I forgot his name. He's a journalist out in LA. And it, it's technically about the opioid crisis, but it's more about like, you know, uh, meth and and, um, and uh, fentanyl and, and mental illness. And it explains a lot of kind of how people end up in these situations. But it's, it's you know, an ugly yeah. uh, combination usually of mental illness and, and drugs. And, and I've seen people I've been out with on ride alongs in a snowstorm where, you know, we would wake somebody up who's covered in snow. He's lying on the ground. He's sleeping. He's covered in snow. And wake them up and say, let us take you to a shelter. Let us take you somewhere warm. And the guy, like, you know, just brushes the snow off, um, shakes it off and and goes away. Right. So it's yeah. not to say that not that ever, nobody wants help, but it's so much harder than having services. There needs to be some some level of enforcement involved. Yeah. Yeah. That book is The Least of Us, True Tales mm-hmm. of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth by Sam Canonis. Uh, yeah, do you know former him? LA Times reporter yeah. might, might still be with the LA Times, but yeah, um, um, yeah, it's it, the, the that book uh, along with San Francisco, uh, which kind of talks about similar things. Uh, the kind of kind of uh, yeah, I don't know. Open my eyes to yeah. why we're why we're in the situation that we're in. Has Michael Schellenberger been on the show? You know what? He was going to be, and then he decided to run for uh, <laughs> governor, yeah. and he didn't have time. <sighs> God, but you know. you know what is he doing so, now? That's misogyny, okay? Can I just <laughs> say it is. it's you know that's what the it patriarchy? Is. It's, it's, yeah, but we we should get him on because no, no, no. If he's not I, he's no, a not not I, an anti semite. Okay, he'll well, come on our show. If you can't have him on before I do. I better I better <laughs> get on it. I don't Can know. You imagine t- if do you think Newsom's going to run for president? I know this is totally off topic, but do you think he's going to run? <laughs> um, who knows? I, I really do you think like him. Do you think he's objectively attractive? No, like, I don't think he's ab- attractive at all. But no, no I said objectively. Not do it. Not, oh, objectively. Not, oh, objectively? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, of. I guess. Come but, on, ladies. Come yeah. on. I mean, he's, he's like, a handsome man. But he's so he's, generic. He looks like a Hollywood, what Hollywood would describe as somebody who, a politician, you know? Like, I yeah. feel like he's the kind of person like that you would have face blindness. Like, I just, yeah. like, he looks like anybody, <laughs> like he makes you think you have face blindness, but only it's when so you true. see him. He would definitely split the bill with you too. He <laughs> wouldn't like pay on a first date. <laughs> oh. And not because he's cheap, because he thinks it's like the right it's thing. So he's a feminist. He, he thinks he's feminist. Yeah, he's a feminist. A feminist. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you something about social media too, Yael, because so, mm-hmm. you know, we are, you're not so much on Twitter, Kylie. I feel like you're more disciplined. No, but um, yeah. so you know, every 
constantly there's some saga going on and i had john ronson on the podcast uh, <gasps> last last Loves. week and you know he he says he, this is a profound statement he says we we can't you know we, we let troubled we turn troubled people into our playthings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, every time somebody has a meltdown on Twitter, it's almost always because there's something going on with them and it just turns into, you know, it's the, the pile mm-hmm. on is such a blood sport. I, I'm curious how you advise people who are in that situation. I mean, right now we have this in, insane thing going on with this Guggenheim Museum curator. I'm not even oh, sure how to yeah. pronounce her name, and I don't even know. But if when I you say, say we, it. it's like you, me, and like the three thousand other people that and are Jesse on single. I know. And Jesse <laughs> that's what that means. Yeah. But the problem is that, well, it, yes, that's th- true. But then the problem is that we have a, we have a lot of influence, right? <laughs> with yeah. HR departments and university administrations and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we have this woman who just basically unleashed herself on this Atlantic magazine reporter who was just very politely and in a normal way um, asking for her to be asking if she would be quoted in the story. And when, and when the, when the curator said she wouldn't be quoted, the reporter said, well, I'm doing, just so you know, I'm doing the story. Anyway, it was a, it was a case of a journalist doing her due diligence and this person deciding to like have, throw a tweet storm saying that this reporter was doing violence against her. And there's a there's racial, huge racial component to this. Anyway, d- the details don't really matter, but it's such an extreme case of this person obviously having like a major psychic break. Either they have, either she has a, a, a colossal personality disorder or she's having some yeah. kind of psychic break. She sounds now, nuts. If, if she, if she were your client, what mm. would you advise her? Well, so if she if she were my client, I would very much advise her to remove herself from the situation immediately, take away the phone. Uh, and a lot of my work revolves around making sure people don't do the things that they want to do. Um, mm-hmm. You'd be like, surprised. Like explain themselves? Yeah, or, or or, you know, attack people or go after people. On social media, one of the biggest problems in a, in a social media and in a in a like PR crisis, I think, is overestimating uh, the severity of the problem. So, if you know, um, let's let's say Guggenheim came to us, right, or whoever she's attacking, or the Washington Post, well, or the, whatever, the Atlantic, or yes, yeah, or the whoever. Atlantic. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, a, a lot of my my job is to really kind of read the the situation. And remind them that even though it's very stressful, I don't take it lightly when people pile on on you and people start attacking you on social media, but I want to see where the intersection is with the real world. So what I care about are your clients, your, your you know, paid subscribers, your vendors, your employees, the people you work with. And once the social media you know, crisis kind of spills into there, that's when we start getting a little worried. But a lot of times it's really about kind of hunkering down and letting that wave pass you. And also, if you are putting out a statement, understanding that you're not going to necessarily change uh, the minds of people online. You're going to put out your, your, your truth, quote unquote, your, you know, what, what you believe in, what you think the facts are. And 
people aren't necessarily, sometimes a client will ask me like, well, aren't people going to say negative things? And I say, absolutely. A hundred percent. They will say negative things, but you know that you, you put your, your stuff out there. And for every, you know, tweet or Instagram post you put out, let's say you have a thousand comments, but you probably have a hundred thousand or 500,000 views. So you want to understand that the people that are, are speaking up are not, representative and you know we always say social media isn't real life uh it can influence real life when people make bad decisions based on it and we we see it all the time people decide to fire somebody because of a few hundred you know crazies on twitter um but it's really important to read the situation uh understand who's saying what how influential they are and sometimes just kind of letting it wash over you I've been having this ongoing conversation with a group of my friends, really good friends. We have a WhatsApp group and they're all super, super smart. I learned so much from them. And we've been having this ongoing conversation for weeks now um, about if if the real world is as affected by the like kind of woke atmosphere that we live in, right? I'm like hyper aware of it because I work at a university and I live in Long Beach, California. And like I, you know, work for Hillel, which is pretty progressive. And so to me, it feels like it's taking over everything. And that's like the new ideology that is everywhere. But some of my friends are like, you live in a little bubble, but in the real world, that it's like, those are just bad ideas that are not going anywhere. And I don't, I, I just can't tell anymore because I'm, I'm too in it maybe, but I, I think people are, I it's think hard they're, to tell. they're here to stay. Look, look at the, look at the, look at the issue of pronouns and email addresses, right? 95% of the people who put their pronouns and email addresses aren't necessarily making a strong statement. They're not like, I want to support people, but they're going along with something that they perceive to be the norm. And the right. problem with, with, you know, a lot of these loud voices on the right or on the left is that we see them, we, we kind of mistake them for the norm. And all it takes is for a bunch of lemmings to go along with something uh, for it to actually become, you know, mainstream. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I like to kind of yell from the rooftops and stop and say, wait a minute, is there, you know, you, you're creating, you know, there's no demand for this necessarily. This right. is not something that that the people want. You're just kind of going along with it. And then it, the more people go along with it, the more it all of a sudden does become these. Right. And, but I guess then the question is how, how damaging is virtue signaling in the end? If it's just mm -hmm. a gesture, right. it's just, it's, yeah, it's a slippery I, I, slope. Cause yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if it's damaging necessarily. I, I, I don't like inauthenticity. No, um, I mean, I just find it cringe. I just hate anything that's yeah. phony. Yeah. It just feels phony yeah. to me. And I don't want to live in a phony world where phoniness is the default. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But, but, you know, if I were to be devil's advocate, I would say, you know, maybe a younger generation that grew up into it, it's not phony for them. It's right. normal. But for me, and, and this is maybe where we kind of all collectively turn into like old man yells at cloud, right? And like back in my day, we wouldn't do that. And I don't know what's going to stick around and what's not going to. I hope some of this madness leaves. Um, but I really I understand that some of these things are probably here to stay. Yeah. Ugh. And we're going to sound like crazy people when we're like smoking our cigarettes at <laughs> 80 years old. Oh my God, I can't wait that. for that. When we're <laughs> old, I can't wait. I have so many things. I'm going to also like I had this like idea for Gen X hospice dinner theater. 
And it was just like all like when we're all like in the super retired, not even retirement totally. home, like hospice, like that kind of thing. Oh, and like all the, there. all the um kind of one man show, like all the, you know, the entertainment every night. It's going to be like creative explosion so of all these it'll be like louis ck oh and, my god you know yeah no and people yeah. have like amazing theater pieces that they couldn't do until now and we'll all be like smoking and all i want is it's, ethan hawk to be there that's my oh, one he, request i think he already is i think <laughs> he's currently living in but a speaking assisted of theater, living center you know it's something i'm i i love i love theater and another another issue um that we, we talk about like woke and, and market demands and things like that is like theater and the arts have gone so woke and guess what people are starting to wake up and be like hey nobody wants to go see these shitty shows right um nobody wants to go to a theater to be lectured at uh people want to see uh you know fun or or, or thought-provoking musicals yeah like uh, the sound of shows. music about nazis <laughs> <laughs> yeah about not people want to see shows about nazis I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. But, Fiddler you know, and, and, and they can be, you right. know, the shows that don't have to all be light. They can be heavy. They can make you think. They can make you, you know, wonder about the state of affairs. But it, I think it, in entertainment, it's become very uh, increasingly clear that there is no demand for this. So if, you know, if, if, the, if the, the pronouns in the bio, let's say it was something people had to pay for <laughs> or right. had to, you know, mm -hmm. um, do something as, aside from just like oh, changing their email, which by the way, changing your email signature can be a little complicated if you don't uh, know how to do it. But, you know, once there's like a market demand, a supply and demand issue, it turns out that a lot of people don't like that. Right. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. So, Hylia, mm -hmm. if you were not in your community would mm -hmm. you feel despondent about the future for your children yeah i would I, I just i mean i try to be positive and optimistic and think you know things get better and hist I, i'm a history person so you know history comes in waves and cycles and um so i think things can turn around i just i don't we've never dealt with social media and I don't think there's anything like comparable that we've ever had in history where our kids, you know, find it easier to stare at a screen than to socialize, right? Like socializing became a burden and we all feel that way. And I'm an extrovert who loves people. I love hanging out. There's nothing I love more. And I find that even my, I'm even like, oh, I'd rather just stay home and look at my phone, you know? I'm, I, that worries me because we're, at the end of the day, we're human beings and humans need connection with other human beings. And I, I know we make connections online and that's okay, but we also need in-person connections. We need friends, we need families, we need communities. And that's what I worry most about. Like, how are these kids going to build communities for themselves where, you know, if something happens to you outside of your house, your neighbors are running over and worried about you when things like COVID happen, who are your people around you? I mean, it's just, I, I really worry about that. And I don't know, I don't know how that looks in the future. And that's kind of what I think about for my kids, you know? It's like, how do you, I mean, we're dealing with this thing now We're, I mean, not to get into a whole different subject, but, you know, I work with college students and one of the things that we're talking about now and we're going to have a lecture series on is uh, about porn addiction and healthy you know, oh, sex wow. and intimacy. And I mean, this is a real issue for young people. In right? the Hasidic community? No, no. I mean, oh, this is at your. This yeah. is at, at the university. Uh, no, oh, yeah. at the Hillel or just at yeah. the university? Yeah, okay. at Hillel, but we're going to be doing it for the, the whole university. We're sponsoring the, 
really? the event, we're going to have a three-part series and we're going to have like young um, young therapists who themselves, we're having a male and a female who both were addicted to porn. And I really hope you can appreciate how much I'm biting my tongue. I've had like three <laughs> Wait, really the, good jokes. The woman was addicted to porn? Yeah, which is unusual. But apparently it's something that that is growing and is becoming an increasingly That's, women just think they can keep up with men. I, I see, know. I don't even I you know what I don't even believe that. I know. I know. Maybe she was looking at shelter porn. Maybe that's I mean, what they meant. Who knows? I look at house porn, porn maybe. Like yeah. looking at like yeah, like Zillow. looking at Redfin. Yeah, totally. Like <laughs> World of Interiors. Oh my god, you yeah. can see I have those stacked up. It's like it's like a decades worth of Playboys that no, I have. No, my Zillow that, is yeah. embarrassing. I mean, I'm on Zillow probably the second most of all my apps. Because I just yeah. love looking at everyone's houses. Maybe that okay. That how great would be like he's he's going to talk about how to avoid sexual <laughs> pornography, and the woman's going to be like, now just remember that staged somebody came in and they arranged the furniture. It doesn't really look that way. Houses don't yes. look this way in real life. Nobody really lives like this. And, and you know, every family, house is different, right? Every and house family every had house. generational wealth, and yours doesn't. That's so right. Don't and worry, you know, just because there's most yeah. people have clutter around. This is not realistic. Exactly. Every house like different things you know <laughs> but yeah, yeah i mean these are the things that the kids are are struggling with and i uh it's a it's a real yeah, no it's a huge problem i mean yeah. um i think i was talking about this with somebody louise perry was also oh yeah recently. oh that was and, excellent episode i mean the yeah. amount of erectile dysfunction among yeah. young mm. men yeah through the roof yeah well yeah. when you're when you're watching porn all the time i mean what's going what's it going to take you know and so yeah i just imagine like i know this is a horrible thing to say and i i'm sure someone's going to get really <laughs> pissed at me for saying this but like I, you know i money gets thrown at me to talk about anti-semitism and all this kind of stuff on campus and which is a real issue and a real i mean I, it's something that is worth talking about but for the average college jewish college student that's not their main concern like the porn stuff is more real. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the and we don't talk about that. We just we don't even have the language to talk about it. I don't think adults know um how to even approach this issue. And I mean, I'm sure post COVID it's just even worse and worse than uh like she was saying, right? I mean your guest was saying. Yeah. Um, and Sarah Hader and I talk about this a lot too. Sarah yeah. is obsessed with porn. <laughs> Really? I mean, not, oh, she's not so. addicted to it. Not not in a watching it way. No, but no, as but a, like as a the topic. effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's thirty. Because it's it's her cohort. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, By the way, there's a really interesting, and I, I don't know if you guys discussed this, but um, so I think it's a Twitter account or a website. Like Pornhub has a ton of analytics. Pornhub is like one of the top websites in the world, if not like the top yeah. ten. Yeah, and they um, churn out analytics like crazy. Right. It's so interesting right. to see, like when you know when there's a spike in 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 usage and how it correlates with like social media um, outages and what people oh. look for in each state. It's it's. Wow. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to learn there. Have I told the my grandparents' story? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd love to know how it tie, ties is, into porn. No, yeah, did yeah. I tell this story? I can't remember. I don't, porn. I don't think no. so. No, I don't. I don't good? remember if I told it. Did they no, meet on ahead. Pornhub? It, it's. I'll tell it quick. <laughs> okay. I mean, they were both so, working actors. <laughs> <laughs> so my grandparents, very Hasidic Jews. Okay, um, I lived with them after I graduated high school. They lived in Brooklyn, and uh, I went to school in New York after I graduated. So I lived with them, and it was 1990. Eight. And so AOL had like these CDs that they would mail you. 
and you would pay $29.99 a month and you had like, you know, 30 minutes or whatever of AOL. I don't remember the details, but I convinced my grandparents who knew nothing about computers or anything to get a computer. My grandmother would sit and play solitaire, whatever. And um, we... One day I come home and my grandfather, he called it the machine because he didn't even know what it was. He's like, Chayla, someone told me that you could see naked pictures on that machine. Is that true? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I, didn't, I was so embarrassed. I was like, I don't know. Like, he was like, no, no, no. I'm paying for it. You need to show me what they're talking about. And I was like, oh, no. please don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. He's like, no, you need to show me right now on the machine. What are they talking about? So I go over to the computer and I didn't know what to type in. So I type in, I mean, this is 1998 or 1999. Okay, latest. So there's not like Pornhub or anything. I type in Playboy, just .com, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And on the screen comes this woman, total, you know, naked woman with her huge boobs flying out. And my grandfather's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Martha, he starts calling for my grandmother. <laughs> Martha, you must come here right now. Come see what's on the machine. And my grandmother comes scurrying over. And my two Hasidic grandparents are standing behind me. And they're like, what happens if you click on that? You know, they're like, I'm like... Oh my God. And I was just, it was the worst. Were, are 15 they minutes of my or are they life. horrified? Yeah, were they, or were they what, like titillated? I mean, maybe this I was think a game they were in their marriage. Was, yeah. I, I hope not. I think it was just like <laughs> they were so amazed at the world and that, that's changing that like it wasn't a magazine. You know what I mean? Like it was in their living room on a machine. Like they couldn't believe it. Maybe they yeah, thought there was so, a real person there behind yeah, the screen. It could, like, I don't was, know. It could be. Yeah. I also <laughs> imagine like 1999 internet where it's like all, you know, in flash. It was. And, like, exactly. Woman yeah, coming like, out <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, exactly what it was that's yeah. exactly what it was but i mean my uh i'll never that was the worst 15 minutes of my whole life that was so really okay that's okay that that's the best endorsement for your community i've heard so far the worst 15 minutes of your life is having to Navigating stand behind your grandparents as i they mean looked at playboy on the it was horrible it well was there was horrible. also the time that you went to yad vashem to the holocaust museum and oh yeah fainted and had to sit in the cafeteria and eat ice cream <laughs> that was pretty bad i think too all right. Well, you know. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, 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 but wait, right. um, Megan, didn't you want to talk about the, the Jewish holidays? Oh, oh that's right. That. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And then we should wrap it up and do a little bit of bonus content. I don't know. Is the Jewish holiday stuff like super juicy that it should be for the bonus content? I, I mean, I, I could do it quickly. It's not a. You yeah, could. So, well, okay. Just explain. It. Why okay. You, you guys it? explain what it is because I don't. It's just to me. It's it's all about parking. <laughs> I'll I'll, ex- I'll explain the okay. way I understand it. Oh my okay. god! Yeah, so, oh, you're explaining. Oh, can't wait to hear this. Yeah, okay. we actually have this ongoing segment where I explain to Chayalea. I juice explain things to her. Yeah, let's hear um, this. So basically, we don't work in September, October. <laughs> Everything's closed. We have the the holidays. the 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 biggest, the best one is Rosh Hashanah. That's a Jewish New Year. I don't know why it's in September. I, I imagine God did something. Um, yes. And then mm-hmm. that's when we start the year. And then there's Yom Kippur when we fast. Um, and then there are a bunch of throwaway, like little, little. <laughs> What's the one where you're middle. in the like little hut? I like yeah. that. Yeah. That's Sukkot. Sukkot. I that's love, a good one I love when you're that. Because it's very, if you're into housing, housing and real estate, oh, yeah. I, that's very housey. I like that. It's so yeah. good. And that's also when men, when strange men approach you on the street with like a, a giant like leaf a and brand. ask you to shake it. <laughs> What? Um, yeah. <laughs> that's Sukkot. That's like Palm Sunday yeah, that's for us. Though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it's it's a fun time. It's a lot of ha- aside from Yom Kippur, all the holidays are happy ones. Um, well, you get to be 
be with family a lot and yeah. um that's it the end wow but there's one you have to sit in the synagogue for a really long time yeah so rosh hashanah rush from rosh hashanah to yom kippur is 10 days and those are very serious days it's like the time of atonement where we think about like the past year and all the sins and we ask god for forgiveness but more importantly we're also like thinking about the coming year and asking for all the blessings so it's a very like somber serious time and we do lots of different like there are lots of traditions like we go to the water and we throw our bread in to get rid of our sins um we do other you know various other things to um atone for all our sinning in the past year i mean one important thing to note is you can only atone for sins you've done against god if you've done a sin against a person you have to ask them forgiveness directly oh, god, god doesn't forgive sucks. you for that oh, stuff. people send mass this is a new thing in the last yeah. year people send mass text messages i know i apologize and they're like i just <laughs> want to say or write a facebook post if i hurt anybody yeah I really apologize. <laughs> oh my god! Do like, they have those things that you can buy, like those fancy, like ho- those e cards, like the, yeah, for the holidays, like sing a song or like animated some animation thing comes yeah, up. you can send totally. to all your friends. When, when you're sorry, a kid in Israel, that. it's the best day ever because it. So you know, Israel, Israel is uh, in part a very secular country, and a lot of people don't fast or don't go to synagogue. But one thing that you absolutely don't do on Yom Kippur in Israel is drive. So the um, it's the best day when you're a kid because people like take out kids take out their bikes and their rollerblades. Oh and yeah, the four year olds can go run errands. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, well, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, as a kid, um, it, it's really it's just a really really fun. I mean, you fun. and I probably did not have Yom Kippur that were similar in any way. I mean, did you fast no. growing up? Um, yeah, oh, I, I fast. I fast, but I watch TV oh. intermittently. Um, did you do like, inter- intermittent like fasting? <laughs> yeah, I intermittent fasting. Like four um, but hours you know, at a time. I don't sin as much as you do, so I don't have to do as much. We we take fasting so seriously. I mean, for twenty five hours, no water, no drinking, no eating, um, and we're in synagogue most of the day. But we take it. I mean, people like can't believe this, but we fast when we're pregnant, unless there's like a reason you can't. Like if your doctor says it's really dangerous and you can't. Um, but I've never missed a Yom Kippur and I had a baby three days before Yom Kippur and I fasted. Wow. Yeah. Can you, are you allowed to podcast? So are you going to do the podcast during <laughs> this time? No way. It's like Shabbat. We don't do any work or we can't so you're use not electronics. Gonna, so you're going to have to, did you record ahead of time? Because apparently the worst <laughs> thing you can do is, is skip a week. You lose your whole audience. Everything. I know. Oh no. People get so annoyed when you skip. It's so funny. Well, I know. Apparently. Yeah, no. And apparently like Sarah was told that you know, she's like, oh, you guys are doing really well with your podcast, but, you know, you really should do two a week. Oh, my like, God. Oh, my God. Oh. So, how much do they well, want to hear us? Remember, we're, 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 we're children of the fifth column. So you get you get what you get and you don't get upset. And yeah. an episode comes out whenever it comes out and you should be thankful. That's funny. Exactly. You're right. Exactly. But well, anyway, last thing I'll just say, tell you quickly about Sukkot. It's really the best holiday. Oh, yeah. I feel bad because even a lot of Jews don't know about it. Um, but for seven days, we do ever almost everything in this like outdoor shelter that we build. Um, and it's covered in palm branches or whatever trees that do, you have do you available. Airbnb it the rest of the year. <laughs> we take them down. Uh, oh, because that actually could work. That, that yeah, could it work. could work. It could. Like an, uh, today in, people like would do that. Income. Income. Yeah. Meeting. Oh, they have the coolest sukkahs now. Like you have yeah. pop-up sukkahs. Cause like no, I think my kids, awesome. yeah, my kids and husband, like the men in my community will not eat or drink outside of the sukkah. I, women do, but men don't. So 
like, for example, we wanted, because my kids are all off school for the whole entire week. So it's really like a time to go on family vacations, whatever. So like, if I want to take the kids to Disneyland, how are they going to eat all day? So we have these pop-up sukkahs that you take with you to Disneyland. And yeah, and you like pop it up outside of your car. And it has like, it it fits all the requirement, you know, the Jewish law requirements. And the men and the boys like stand in there and they quickly eat their little, you know, whatever we bring them packaged foods. And uh, yeah, so it's it's cute. Yeah. Last year, we took one on a boat with us because we were going. um, uh, What's the thing where the kids do like not water skiing, but something in the like they go surfing, but attached to a boat. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, whatever. Attached to a boat? Yeah, they're like attached to a boat and then they like stand up on this cert kind of on a, I forgot what it's called, but um, we were doing that with the boys and they were going to be hungry because it it was like a long trip on the boat. So (laughs) they figured out a way how to build it on the boat. So... (laughs) Jews are really, really good with workarounds. <laughs> well, also, it's never been a better time to be Orthodox, as you, exactly. as you pointed out before, because there's all these innovations. <laughs> exactly. It's much exactly. More convenient. It, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, okay. Good. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've recruited some people. Maybe this conversation has. Uh... Oh no, you don't. You don't want to recruit anybody. Well, I mean, if you know, people well, like we, yeah, take we the time. We don't recruit, yeah. but you but they should let li- you should listen to our podcast. Yes, um, <laughs> anybody podcast who doesn't listen is an anti semite <laughs> and uh, established that. Um, and misogynist. misogynist yeah um, misogyny is everywhere it's just exhausting yeah, and yeah i don't know megan do you have any things as, as an avid listener any things that you would want us to talk about because we've we're gentiles. running out of i want to know how you feel about shiksas and gen- <laughs> gentiles and, and especially <laughs> ones that date jewish men oh, and, yeah. or oh marry my god them. as somebody who hasn't dated a jewish man in a very long time <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um we're we're run, you know we're, we're we're we have a hard time keep us going we, we don't we can't stand each other in real life oh um, yeah for sure we barely talk you know <laughs> oh wait are you like, talking about the two of you who are you talking yeah, about it, it's oh. like a yeah it's like a like a rock band you know <laughs> yeah i know uh, we're just in it we're in it for the business we're actually point. gonna right. have a jewish porn star on Okay. So, yeah. I'm so excited. We're going to have that. porn too st- stuff on Sarah on our on Oh our man. Podcast. I know. That's but so funny. Yeah. There's there's room. Listen, there's enough room in in yeah. the in the porn market for everyone. <laughs> and the in the podcast market as well. The podcast yeah. market. Well, I mm-hmm. love your podcast. It's really Thank it's you. one of my Thank very favorite. huge compliment. I always listen. Thank you. You're one of the people who kind of I think in, I can speak for myself, but Me too. inspired us oh. to get get into this and you know, I've been listening to your Totally. your podcast and and wow. um listen to your book on audible uh oh. when all the madness was happening oh so it, yeah uh you know a, a step in the right direction thank you for, for well, me personally i feel i Same. feel i have community with you guys yeah so, yeah, yeah and like also you can't wait you're the only other person that i learned of that can't wink oh really I, it's true i can't yeah. because i, I mean neither what do you think that I is? I never met anybody. And that's kind of like my fun, you know, when you have to go around in a circle and tell something about yourself, that's my go-to. <laughs> well, it's, it's better than if you have to play that game killer. <laughs> I mean, I, when that comes up, I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, I physically, yeah. there's like an eye. It's a muscle thing. I just don't. I, I can't. can't. And, then, and then what happens when you tell people you can't wink? The first thing they say is like, try. And then I do it and, <laughs> and I look like an idiot. Squinch your face. Well, yeah, I'm kind of glad I can't because I feel like I, if I could, I would just be winking all the time. Like, <laughs> I it's I just very much my personality in any situation. I always want to say to people like, I know, I see you. Like, I know you get this. Like, I know you think this pronoun thing is bullshit wink wink i would <laughs> yeah. do that all day 
Oh, Hialeah, maybe that's why I'm not married. That's so I haven't funny. learned how to wink. I mean, yet. I'm pretty sure yeah. I know how to wink and I've never winked at anyone. So I'll just leave it there. It's not even necessarily well, a flirtation thing. It's like a right. connection. I, just, like, I would I don't just think wink I've at anybody. Winked. Yeah, oh, I don't know. It's a, it's great. <laughs> it's gr- I've heard it's great. I w- if there's a surgery to make you be able to wink, I'm a, I would consider it. <laughs> I mean, I like when guys wink. I mean, that's cute. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've um, never winked. Anyway. But I can. Right. I'm trying it right now. Apparently I can. Don't rub it in. <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, we might do some bonus content about hot, about who's hot if if we're <laughs> hot so, or not. We're so motivated. <laughs> we're but I don't know. Yeah. Um. Because we talked last time about uh, how I thought Osama bin Laden had soulful eyes. But, um, <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. That's you, a, you opened my mind. You really, opened my mind. No, there's thing. a lot. Of the audience is a fan favorite because people have um, <laughs> written in to comment. On and that. you 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 kind of opened our our um our eyes to the fact that. Saddam Hussein during his uh, court appearances oh, yeah. looked quite dashing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Sharp, yeah, we should talk about the royal family. Man. Can we talk yeah, about the royal family sure. in, in our the, bonus content? Yes. Yes. First, oh, you sure. have to pay, yes. pay Megan first. Yes. What's that? Oh, I have a lot to say. Said people have to pay Megan for these hot takes. <laughs> yeah. And maybe you, you could take a clip and um, put it on. There's got to be a way to make them pay you a little bit, too. I don't know. But th- that would require, like... <laughs> doing One day. audio editing which like, yes exactly <laughs> um all right well thank you so much for taking thank the time you. to be on the podcast it's great to have you as always thank and you. everybody you listen to everybody listen to ask a jew you don't pol- have to be jewish Paloma media. you don't have to be jewish to listen to it although it's better because it's really smart and <laughs> if you're not jewish you're probably not as smart <laughs> as if you are true. i don't and i say true. this as it's been proven smart or studies gen- about tile Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. That was my conversation with Chayalea Suffren and Yael Bartor. Chayalea directs the Long Beach Hillel at Cal State Long Beach in California, and Yael is a crisis communications and social media consultant who previously served as the director of social media and digital strategy for the New York City Police Department. This is the Unspeakable Podcast, now on Substack, as I have told you too many times already. It is also everywhere you normally get your podcasts. Nothing has changed. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else if you're so inclined. Please also check out my new podcast with Sarah Hader, A Special Place in Hell. That's on Substack and everywhere else. It's a lot of podcasts to listen to these days. I'll be back next week and every week with another super nuanced guest. Thanks for listening. See you next time.